All right, Sixer Nation, what is good? Welcome on in two days until the NBA trade deadline. You know the gang had to get back together, man. Bring you another show. Excited to be here. Rumors are heating up. Things are flying around. But then at the same time, you have Daryl Morey go out today and make some interesting comments. So we will break down exactly what those comments mean. We'll look at everything. He talked about the trades coming up. He talked about Isaiah Joe. He talked about James Harden getting snubs 100% and a whole bunch more. We will break it down. We are live on Philly Take with RB. Running back Philly Pick Swap Media. Happy to be back with the guys, man. RB, Sean Bernard, DJ Eastwood. What's up, fellas? How are we feeling? Yeah, feels good. feels like a little bit of the uh, quiet before the storm. There was the, the Kyrie trade kind of kicking things off, but things have kind of dived down. So hopefully the Sixers are one of these teams getting involved here. And uh feels like we're hitting that kind of stride for NBA season. So I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, man. Glad to be back up here talking ball, you guys. Uh, Yeah, uh, so, something something has to happen. Something has to happen. Has to happen. I remember last year's trade deadline. I was like, if that if the Ben Simmons thing doesn't happen, I can't. how could I watch the rest of the season? This one isn't that bad. I could still watch the rest of the season, but it's something something has to happen. Yeah, for once, it's like, you know, the Sixers aren't the main story of the damn trade deadline, but at the same time, this Sixers team, this fan base knows they have to make a move, right? You have to do something, and, and Daryl Morey talked about it today, but just in general, before we really break it down, we'll talk about the couple trades that did happen today, which really are not anything. I, I love how the trade deadline is always one trade, and then the whole domino begins to fall, then the next one, then the next one, and then come Thursday afternoon at 1 o'clock, you got 12 moves happening at the same time. But, um, yeah, what, what did your guys take so far on the team, on where they're at? What do they need to do this trade deadline? If you have one thing in mind, maybe what you think they're going to do or what they should do, what is it? Yeah, it started off rocky this year. Uh, kind of tripped out of the gates and kind of got themselves together. Uh, 20 and 5 in the last 25 hit their stride. The Embiid and Harden chemistry seems to be growing. So definitely some signs of progress from the Sixers team in recent weeks. I think for most of the season, my outlook has been the one need has been some more help on the perimeter. But in recent weeks, I've kind of shifted gears to backup center being a bigger circle on my list for what needs to be upgraded. I would love it if there's a way to tackle both, find some sort of uh, some sort of forward and some sort of big man in a deal. Uh, but if it's one or the other, I think I lead toward backup center because I think going into the playoffs with the the options that they have in Montrez Harrell and Paul Reed, if he can ever get himself off the bench, are going to sink them just as we saw pretty much throughout Joel Embiid's whole tenure. So I'm pretty happy with where they're at. I'm encouraged with the progress they've made, but they definitely need a little bit of a boost to kind of get over that edge. Yeah, the Sixers have an issue. Uh, it's not just the backup center position, though. Um, it's really the overall rebounding issue. And yeah. I and I think uh, my dream scenario is still, I've been saying this for maybe three years, is a Tobias Harris trade. Um, <laughs> just, and when I say that, everybody thinks, you know, I hate Tobias Harris. I think he's done an amazing job at transforming his game to try to fit as best as he could. But I really think Joel Embiid kind of rebounding whenever he wants to and Tobias Harris rebounding whenever he wants to, both of those things together, a lot of times in the same game, they get just annihilated on the boards. Like you just saw against the Knicks and like the first magic game. Uh, but that's not going to happen. I really don't think anything major is going to happen as, we're going to talk about that article and, and what Daryl Morey said. Uh, I would just expect something small to happen. And as long as it's one of three backup centers that 
I think would help the team. I'll be happy. Um, I think there's at least three guys out there that aren't earth shattering talents by any means or, or high talents at this point in their career, but it's, it's not that hard to find somebody in the NBA that can do more than what Montrezl Harrell's doing right now. And, you know, Paul Reed, athletic rebounder. I love him, but when people say he he averages uh, eight fouls per 36, they're not, you know, it's true. He's, just, he's wild, <laughs> doesn't have a very high basketball IQ, just kind of flies around the court and runs into people. So you can upgrade the backup center for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think you have to. I think there's no doubt about it. Um, there's a couple of different ways the Sixers have been thinking about this, according to sources, and it's interesting. You know, one side of it says they're trying to, cut cap and they're trying to you know stay below that tax line and and you know put more money in the owner's pockets essentially um so maybe they're going down that path maybe we're not even close to what they're thinking but then the other side of it is well this is the best team you've ever had around Joel Embiid you obviously have a shot to contend in the east now you have another team like the Nets who are probably not going to do anything at all so you're looking at maybe a three-team race and with just a little bit of marginal improvement, you have a chance to now be a serious contender because, you know, there's just not that many holes in the roster. And we've seen time and time again, Trez cannot be the answer. Paul Reed either won't get the minutes or is not ready to be the answer. So to me, it's clear as day. Uh, I would agree with DJ. I think they're going to do something smaller. Um, my dream scenario, Andre Drummond. I mean, it, it just makes too much sense. He knows the team. He knows the roster. Um, but I do have a bold take. I'm going to save it for later on. I will say I had Austin Krell on the show yesterday, and he said that he thinks the Sixers will make a move. And when you think about the fact that the Sixers left a roster spot open, it only makes sense. But like you guys said, will it be the move, or is it just going to be one of these little, you know, crapshoot type of things at the end? Um, that remains to be seen. But I do think they will make a move. I, I think it would be stupid to stay packed because I think Boston's going to make a move. I think Milwaukee's going to make a move. Why wouldn't the Sixers, you know? Yeah, and Daryl Morey's been a guy throughout his uh, tenure as a general manager and president of basketball operations that his kind of quote that he goes by is when you have that 5% chance or greater of winning a championship, you have to go all in. And if there was any kind of debate about that, it's how they've played over the past like month, month and a half, as well as Kyrie now getting shipped off to the Western Conference. So the Sixers are now cemented as a top three team in the Eastern Conference. They are playing their best basketball of late. So it's time to go in and, and do something about it. And like you mentioned, they have that extra roster spot. They're still an open spot. And plus, we were kind of sold these ideas of moves of cutting Isaiah Joe, of cutting Charles Bassey. The, the logic behind that was having the roster flexibility to go out and do something. So now it's time to act, and those only age well if they actually can act on it and bring somebody in that made that kind of the bargain worth it. So the ball is now in Maury's court to act, and we'll see what he comes up with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now's not the time uh, in this in with this franchise to be like you know conservative after the process and and all of the assets that we had. This is the most win now situation I've probably ever seen uh, in Philly sports team. Um, I would have to think back to probably the Allen Iverson era, but either way, like it's not going to either way when this run is over, this Joel and B James Harden thing, it's not going to be a gradual slope down. It's going to be a cliff. So you're, you're, you're edging toward the cliff. Anyway, you, you want to get a couple rings before the cliff approaches. So anything you have left to upgrade the team in the short term, that's, that's just what you do. That's how I see it. I know people want to hold on to guys. Well, this guy might be this in five years or whatever, it's kind of why I was on the Maxi for Donovan Mitchell thing in the summer. I love Maxi, but if you can give me Donovan Mitchell right now, I'm all for it. I just, I'm, you know, they're trying to win now. So 
yeah, now's not the time to be conservative. So whatever they have left, whatever change they have in under the couch cushions, they're going to pull out and, and spend it. So we'll see. Yeah, hopefully they get something done. If you guys are in the chat, man, hit the like button. Let us know you enjoy this content. Welcome on in. Drop your thoughts. What do you think the Sixers are going to do? Let us know in the chat, wherever you're watching. Once again, Philly Take with RB, Run It Back Philly, Pick Swap Media. Now, a couple of deals did happen today. You know, the, the first couple to kick it off. And, um, I mean, honestly, who cares about these deals? But we will <laughs> highlight it just for the heck of it. Um, this was the first one today. The Brooklyn Nets <laughs> send uh, Kessler Edwards and cash considerations to the Sacramento Kings. The Nets save a total of $8 million in salary, blah, blah, blah. I'm here to tell you guys, as I've been saying the last couple of days here, the Nets are officially cooked. Uh, there is nothing left for them to do. They have to start over. I know they're, they're saying they're trying to get another star in there to make Katie happy. The report <laughs> is that Katie's not happy, and he's not even coming back now until after the All-Star break. I can say this over and over again. Everybody up here on this panel right now told you guys so. We've been saying it for the last year. Literally, it's almost been a year that we've been up here preaching this. Uh, it did not work. The Nets are cooked, and they have been one of the worst franchises. So to me, it just seems like they're trying at all costs for a desperation move. But, I mean, there's <laughs> there's nothing they could do, man. They're done. They're done. They should have kept the team of D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie. How ironic is that? And uh, yeah, and down. Down. yeah. And uh, the only thing I will say on this trade is uh, Sixers wise, the Kings were a team that kind of were rumored to have some interest in Matisse Thibel. So this probably takes them out of the, the Matisse Thibel running. Uh, Edwards, Kessel Edwards, not quite the defensive player of Thibel, but a similar kind of model of player. So I would assume that this was kind of their preference there. So uh, Sixers wise, I would guess that's the only way this impacts them. But uh, yeah, it does seem like it's a fire sale in Brooklyn, and they're probably going to be the most active team out of anybody just trying to find some way to field a competent team for the rest of the season. Yeah, if there's a team in in recent, the past decade, that's handled assets worse than the Philadelphia 76ers, at, at least we always have the Brooklyn Nets to look at and say, they want up us every time. The, you know, the, the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, all that stuff. Um, and And then, you know, seven seven total uh four picks four first round picks and two pick swaps or whatever for james harden when they really didn't have to make that move i think Kyrie and durant plus that plus that roster of uh jared allen dinwiddie and all those guys would have been a really solid team it's just it's just a terrible decision that is really like a 14 year old kid playing 2k making some of the decisions that they made and I just saw from the jump, and, and people too, people watch ESPN too much. They watch Max Kellerman too much, who who doesn't even like he's a boxing guy out here saying this is the greatest offensive team of all time. I just knew it was a, a disaster. There's are three self-centered maniacs at the time. Uh, I learned slowly that James Harden is actually the least selfish of the three uh, for what he did when he came to, came to the Sixers. But Kyrie and Durant, <laughs> there's no way those dudes were going to work out, man. Mm -hmm. And it was and, crazy. Uh, I saw Kyrie's opening press conference, not to go too, mar too far off topic, but he was saying how he was a selfless leader and, and he didn't do anything wrong. Um, I was waiting for him to apologize to James Harden because I feel like everybody out there that tried to make him out to be the bad guy hasn't said a peep this whole season as he's playing at an all-star level. Where are the same right. commentaries at where they were ripping him to shreds last year? I mean, the guy's been fantastic, a great teammate, and he's been great this year. And what the first year when he was uh, uh, Durant was injured, Kyrie was like 
at his sister's birthday party for three months or something, and 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 uh, Harden was playing at like on MVP list, like playing with nobody. That, yeah, Harden's definitely the least selfish of them three. Yeah. And the the other thing that goes into them kind of overplaying their hand on that Harden trade is it also took away their ability to rebuild right now because the Rockets have their first round picks through 2027 or either pick swap or their physical first round picks. So it does them no good to go into tank mode or rebuild mode. They pretty much just got to scrap and find a way to field somewhat of a competent team. I guess they have a, a Cam Thomas hooping off as the, the best player from LSU on that Nets roster. So at least they got something, but not a lot going on there. Absolutely. And I, I just saw a comment in the chat say that, oh, well, you know, the Nets, uh, I forget what it exactly said, but essentially Camp Thomas is lighting it up and Nick Claxton. I'm here to tell you guys, Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons and Cam Thomas around <laughs> Kevin Durant is not going to work in the NBA playoffs. Last year, they got uh, shredded. Dame has like, a better roster than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. come on, come on. You're, you're seriously going to throw <laughs> Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons on the same floor? in the playoffs to both get fouled. You foul this guy five times and foul him six. I mean, come on now. Think. Think a little bit. It is, it's done. It's done. And I'll go as far to say as Nick Claxton has improved more than Ben Simmons. Definitely. I mean, in one year. In one year. Oh, yeah. So it's just, it's crazy, man. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to say the Nets were cooked and they made that move today. Which and, is why they, had, they have to move Durant because even if – you know, you can't salvage that. You have to, you have no assets moving forward. You have to try to get a haul for Kevin Durant right now, I feel like, if you're trying to do anything for the foreseeable future. I mean, you know, Nets fans are fair weather in the first place, but if you if you go into tank mode uh, by default and don't have a plan, that arena is going to be empty in no time. Yeah, 100%. And, and somebody in the chat said, who said they would play Ben? I mean, come on now, breaking news. You have to play a guy that's making $37 million. Uh, in the playoffs you're not going to sit him for a whole game so uh it will happen and it will be bad i'm i'm just telling you just straight up um anyway the next deal that happened today Dwayne Dedman traded to San Antonio i'm sure nobody in their right mind cares about that so just wanted to highlight that i know what's going to happen you know now that the Kyrie trade happened and the Lakers essentially dropped the ball Thursday morning at like 11 a.m a trade's going to happen, and then five trades are going to happen in the span of 12 minutes. So yep. be prepared. Be ready. Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. But let's talk about the Sixers trades. Uh, he Daryl Morey did an interview with Kyle Newbeck, who always does a fantastic job with Philly Voice. Um, and essentially, he talked about everything. I mean, we know as Sixers fans, this is the time of the year when Daryl Morey starts to open up. This is where he really starts to, okay, let me go out to a radio station or a reporter and start giving my thoughts on what's going on. Now, it could be mind games. I, I will preface this whole thing by saying he might just be lying. He might be lying about the entire thing. That's what he did before, so we mm -hmm. don't know. But we're here to analyze what he said and, and what he went through. So, um, yeah, we talked about our trade deadline needs. Well, let's go see what uh, Daryl Morey had to say. Uh, he talks about other sports hating him, which is hilarious. Um, yeah, Kyle says after a rough start, it appears the Sixers team could end up at having a shot at glory. So essentially, uh, they need to make a move. He talked about, uh, you know, some of the other GMs here in Philadelphia talked about Embiid and Harden. Okay, let's get to the good stuff here. So he says, quote, if you take a if you take the list of teams that are making players available that could maybe play for us in the playoffs. And then the ones that we can acquire 
it is a very, very small list. I think we feel good going to war with who we have, but if we can find an upgrade and give Doc more weapons for his playoff arsenal, we will do it. Uh, your guys' take and reaction to that comment. Yeah, I think, uh, as you mentioned, most of this is all kind of just mind games and kind of trying to position yourself. This is the same Daryl Morey who went on record around this time last year and said the Ben Simmons saga could drag on for five years. So this is kind of him saying, like, we don't need to make a move, maybe trying to lower the price a little. But I do like that he's kind of acknowledging at least, like, like obviously the goal is to improve uh, the weapons. And I don't think there's too much to read into this other than that, him trying to position himself. Uh, I do think the, the dock line is pretty funny. And I will say Maury, out of pretty much most general managers or just front office people, has one of the, the better personalities and one of the more down-to-earth kind of cool perspectives on things. So I do like kind of reading these quotes from him. Yeah, when he gets on the radio and stuff, he he sometimes he's like brutally honest about things. I, I do like I do like his personality as a GM. Uh yeah, to me, like I, I did a, a video on the article earlier and um read the whole thing and really looked at it and uh it's nothing. It's it's just, <laughs> it's just it's just a writer getting Daryl Morey uh for I guess something to talk about. But you we you kind of know he's not gonna come in here and say we are terrible. Uh, when Joel Embiid leaves the floor, um, I know Doc doesn't believe in this, but if you look at the plus minus, uh, we're, we're awful when Joel Embiid leaves the floor. So our backup center position isn't getting it done. Our backup four and five combinations aren't getting it done, whatever it is. Our rebounding is terrible. We need this. We need that. He's not going to say that. So he has to say these things. But yeah, when I first read it, I was like, come on. We don't go into this thinking we have to upgrade a particular player. We feel good going to war with, I mean, Certain matchups, I liked this team, you know, that what they looked like against Denver. But when you get against, uh, you know, just very athletic teams that have five or six guys over 6'10", 6'11", that can switch everything, and you got, you know, combinations of Niang and Montrez out there, he's lying. He's just lying. It is what it is. I don't, ex But I don't expect him to come out and say anything. And, yeah, he, it's, you know, he's a GM. He's been doing it for a long time. He's made some incredible trades in different franchises. He knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, there was a, an unnamed GM, too, in another article that was quoted saying the Utah Jazz are asking too damn much for uh, Jared Vanderbilt. And I wouldn't be shocked if that was Daryl Morey who said that because, you know, you know he wants to play the game. If he wants Vanderbilt, he's not going to say it right now. And that's why everything happens the last five minutes of the deadline because, you know, they're going to negotiate until the last second. Yeah, definitely a name we need to talk about during this show. Uh, Maury was asked about some trouble spots in the rotation. Says, quote, we don't go into this thinking we have to upgrade a particular player. Now, essentially what you both have said is that there's nothing to this. It's all smoke, no fire. Um, I will say, though, I, I do think Daryl is kind of trying to cover his tracks here because you know, say the Sixers go out, they don't make any move whatsoever. I think they'll make like a little dump move, right? Like a Furkan Korkmaz who requests a trade. I mean, you're not really going to bring him back to the roster. Um, but if, if the Sixers don't do much, I think Daryl could potentially be trying to cover his tracks. Now, I do think this is a lie. I think Daryl Morey is a smart basketball mind who, uh, you know, looks at this team. He put this team together in this past offseason and he looks and goes, all right, we're kind of close here. Like this could be our final shot. And that's something that's not talked about with a lot of people right now. You know, uh, if Tobias Harris, um, you know, could potentially leave after this year, right? Tyrese Maxey's got to get paid. Who knows about the Harden deal this coming summer? Like 
this is an opportunity where you have to win. Um, but it seems that Daryl Morey thinks that the Sixers are, are very restricted, which they are. So do they have enough to make a deal, right? Like there's all these names out there, but really you're working with Furkan Korkmaz, Matisse Thybul, Jaden Springer, and a 2029 draft pick or a second this year via Charlotte. Um, do they have enough? You know what I mean? So I think that's almost him trying to cover his tracks a little bit. Like, all right, we don't need something, but if we can get something for the right deal, we will pull it. And I think that's always Daryl Morey's mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, that Charlotte draft pick isn't like nothing. I think it's slated for the 35th overall pick right now. So right on the edge of that first round. So at least it's like some sort of asset that they have. And that has kind of grown into something a little more promising, but it's still a second round pick no matter how you cut it. And all these guys, Matisse Thibel on an expiring deal, going to be a free agent this year. Furkan Korkmaz, who has requested to trade himself and uh, has a $5 million cap hit. Jaden Springer, who a former first-round pick who hasn't played like any minutes. They're all a little bit of damaged goods and stuff you're trying to coat up and make look good. So th- there's just not like that much of a market for landing, landing that marquee addition at this point. It's all kind of flipping, trying to find that maybe one rotation piece. But I also do think it's worth noting, like, combining these guys like maybe three bad ones for like one average basketball player is still a worthwhile move because when you think about come postseason when the rosters are are constructing and the rotations are shrinking like you just need those kind of guys so coming away with one legitimate rotation piece as an uh, asset from this deadline would absolutely be a win yeah sean that's the perfect way to put it man if you can you know you got guys making money on your roster that aren't getting on the floor so yeah that's it's just a perfect way to put it if you can put some of those together and get in return like for simplest terms somebody that can play in the nba at a playoff level that's a win yeah that's yeah. that's probably what i would expect i would probably expect a matisse thibel trade out out of anything because just looking at the players and and skill sets and potential he's glaringly just has more potential than than either of those other guys uh furcon or um, um Jaden Springer I don't know about Jaden Springer's potential that's the thing about him I, I haven't seen him play enough in meaningful minutes or like any minutes outside of the last two in a blowout really ever uh so yeah I would expect probably Matisse Thibel just because I think you can sell him a little bit as an all-worldly defender who you know just needs to be put in the right positions and and uh coached a uh, coached up on his perimeter game or his ball handling skills or whatever it is uh that's what I would expect. But, yeah, I, I'm thinking the same thing, man. Package together some of these guys that you're paying money to that aren't playing and get a guy in return that can play. That's a win, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I want to go to that matisse Thibel thing because <clears throat> that is the most intriguing thing to me, this trade deadline. Now, about a week ago, I said, all right, there's no way you're moving Thibel because the main team that was interested was the Sacramento Kings. And the Kings have nothing that will help the Sixers right now. My ideology is if it can make you a better championship team this year, if it can put you in position to win, go do it. I didn't think that the Kings had anything to offer like that, but then you hear about the Atlanta Hawks, you hear about the Warriors, and over the last couple days, this is my bold take, by the way, Thibault is getting traded, and and I'm going to tell you why. Because if you do not trade Matisse Thibault and you let him sit on that bench like he has now, we can have a whole other debate about how much he impacts the team, what his uh, ceiling will be, if he'll ever shoot the ball, if he could be played in the playoffs, all that stuff, right? 
but Doc Rivers doesn't seem to be comfortable playing Matisse Thibel consistent minutes. So if you let him sit this entire season the way he has now, getting little, you know, little bits of minutes here and there, and then he doesn't play in the playoffs, you are losing Matisse Thibel for absolutely nothing. Right now, you can get value for him. You can get a draft pick, which the Sixers need. You may be able to get an experienced player. You may be able to get some type of locker room presence, just something that could help the Sixers right now. I don't know what it could be. Maybe you package Thibel, Furk on a pick, whatever it is. But if you don't play him, he, you're losing him for nothing. It's a contract year. He's walking out the door. There is no talks of contract extension. Now, maybe you could say, all right, well, they're going to re-sign him. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think he's going to get traded. I'm starting to really believe that. Yeah, I believe that as well. There's a couple layers of this that I want to touch on here. I mean, first off, like you mentioned, he's on the tail end of his deal, $4.3 million on the table for this season, the end of his rookie deal. His value is at the lowest it's been since he was about like a freshman in college. Like he's been a guy that like at times was looked at as not a, I wouldn't say a premier trade chip, but a guy that there were teams very attracted to to moving for or looking to to add him for. But at this point, being a uh, expiring deal, the thing that I've struggled with and going into the season, I was like, we kind of missed the boat on trading him if we start this year is I don't think there's going to be any teams that look at him as like the missing piece in their playoff rotation, because while he's taken some strides forward offensively and he has looked more willing this year, there's still going to be holes. And that's absolutely going to put be put to the test in the postseason. However, if there is a team that looks at him as a potential long-term piece, he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. So you would get that advantage of having a chance to match a salary. So I think if they can find a team that's interested in potentially looking at that, that's kind of the advantage. And that's what they got to search for is a team that could look at Matisse Thibel as a potential long-term piece. And I also do believe that there are plenty of systems where he would look much better than he does with the Sixers, just based on the amount of cutting, the amount of movement, like a team like the Nuggets or the Warriors, I can see him looking significantly better than he ever has in a Sixers uniform. So I agree. I do think he's going to be moved. I think he's probably their most likely trade piece, but it's a very like strange market. They're kind of looking for him in. Man, the Warriors would be would be man. You're you're probably right about that. If I picture Matisse Thibault and the Warriors, just a a good culture uh, team that's that's moved. A, you know, been a high motion offense for a long time, and a lot of guys around him that have high basketball IQs and are and are shooters. Where he wouldn't be paired with you know a lot of his trouble is that he gets paired on the floor with other guys that can't stretch the floor or you know whatever else, and they're just bad fits. Uh, a, a guy like Thibault who can play elite defense and shoot thirty. Five percent from three at best. You know, I think that's all you really ask of him. NBA average and play really good defense. On the with the right combination of players around him, he's not a total negative. Uh, he just gets put in situations, you know. And when you see him at the end of a shot clock and he has to dribble the ball, yeah, you don't want him to do that. And then it's everyone's like Thibault sucks, but like you didn't want Danny Green to dribble a ball. You didn't want Robert Covington to dribble the ball. These are just three and D players. You don't want them to ever have to make a move with the basketball. So. I'm the one. I'm I'm the one. I've been saying you need to trade him for a long time, but I feel like he definitely has value, and they need to take advantage of it. The thing that I don't understand is <clears throat> he comes into the year, and in training camp they were gloating about this guy. They said he was the most improved. They said his shot was incredible, and all. And you know these are normal things that you say about a a developing player, right? Those dribbling videos. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but at you know, I would I would personally think that. They would say that stuff to try to build his trade value. And then he sits for most of the year. They don't really talk about him in any deals or anything like that. 
and they're just kind of playing them little bits here and there. This is a former first-round pick. The Sixers have this problem with most of their first-round picks, and now you might go through another deadline, keep them, and then what? You're going to get nothing for him. He's going to leave, and somebody's going to offer Matisse Thibault a contract that the Sixers are going to look at and say, well, you know, I, I'm not willing to match that. I, I We don't view Thibault as that guy. Personally, when I look at the, the eye test this year, to me, Thibault is at least more of a willing shooter this year, more than last year. I mean, he'll actually take a couple shots, which is nice to see, and he could be a defensive spark. But there is that legitimate question, can you play him in a playoff series? And I really don't know. I think they had a falling out after that Toronto series last year. I think nobody talked about it. Um, it Things were just not the same. Ever mm-hmm. since he could not travel to Toronto, and he just – they've never really, you know, utilized him. And, and then even when Daniel – the beginning of the year, Doc Rivers said, Daniel House is our guy right now, but Thibel's like next up. And now Daniel House doesn't play, and Thibel still doesn't play. So I, I don't understand what the thinking is. Weren't we at a point uh, sometime last year where he was starting? Yeah, for a good portion of the season. Was, yeah. yeah, and in that Toronto Raptors series, he, he only played three games, but he averaged 14 and a half minutes per game. Uh and, I mean, Paul Reed averaged 10 minutes a game and got all the backup center minutes. So it's two players that Doc was playing in a playoff series that now, that now he suddenly doesn't trust in in December. You know, so I don't know. I can't – it'll always point back to Doc Rivers for me. I never really understand his circle of, of, of thought process that he goes through. But, yeah, it seems like that's where we are with Matisse right now. He's not very not a very big part of the rotation. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to Matisse, you got Jaden Springer, who – it feels like is never going to see the floor. And then you have, for example, Furkan, who's a former first-round pick, who is now asked out for a trade for the second time. Like, the Sixers need to stop missing on these draft picks. I mean, you got to develop these guys. And and you have other guys here. We're about to talk about uh, Isaiah Joe, but, I mean, you have guys. Like, develop them. Develop yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the point is I don't even think they're missing on the picks. It's the development where the the bridge is not being followed. Like there's guys like Isaiah Joe, like Charles Bassey, who are showing flashes on other franchises right now. Jaden Springer, we can't even say that he's bad because we really just don't know because he hasn't gotten that chance and he hasn't been developed in the right way. When you look around the league and see guys who Springer is far from a, a polished product and absolutely has holes in his games. But there's still things he can do. He can defend at a high level. I'm I am confident to say that he can defend it like an NBA level right now. So just give him that as his job. Let him work on other things. Let him learn to be a spot up shooter. That's where like they're setting themselves up for failure in the long term is is just the inability to just let these guys grow into being that like next wave of talent. And that's going to bite the Sixers in the long yeah. run for sure. Yeah, and and when when we were in the, the the quick search for a new coach uh once and and doc became available obviously the guys that hired him didn't say hey we've had an issue developing young talent for a while now maybe we shouldn't go with a guy that is basically known to never develop young talent uh you know the, the guys that hire him don't know anything about basketball they just said hey legendary name get him in the, get him in right now and make him an offer that he can't refuse he was going to retire but they offered him hundred million dollars to like take a break from golf for a couple days out of the week or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at with it. I mean, you know, the evidence just keeps coming out. Isaiah Joe performing in OKC. Uh, you can go back to Terrence Mann when he was in LA, you can go back to Shea Gilgis Alexander. The evidence just keeps coming out. There's no development under doc rivers. <laughs> I, I think in addition to that, 
it's frustrating because you look at how PJ Tucker has played this year, right? <clears throat> and he hasn't been over, you know, he's been very underwhelming by far. Uh, I do think he'll get better, but he has been underwhelming. And you look at a guy with the prototype of Thibel who could be the exact piece that you need at that position. And he just is not doing it and I guess can't do it, uh, which is frustrating to see. But I want to talk about Doc Rivers in that point because that takes us to where we need to go. And, and we'll get back to the trade stuff in a little bit. But the people in the chat know me, man. I am the leader of the Isaiah Joe Hive. And I still think it is a travesty that he was let go. And, you know, here's what Daryl Morey had to say about it. And, and this is what frustrates me. And I think it points towards Doc Rivers. He says, quote, we're not going to have playing time for everyone. So sometimes we're going to cut players who are very good players. And we're happy for those that go on to do great things. Morey said when asked about cutting Joe last fall, there's a lot of factors that go into it, including the current contract or the goals of the season to win a title. So what that screams to me right there is that Daryl Morey doesn't have much say in who actually plays. There's not much communication, right? Because, you know, we're sometimes we have to cut good players. Isaiah Joe, he just admitted is a good player and it's actually a guy that could contribute. And you went into the season with an open roster spot. Instead of keeping yeah. this guy who could have potentially been another shooter, he could have been better than Corkmas for crying out loud. And you let him go for nothing. You let Bassey go for nothing. That's the issue. And and you could have developed this guy. I mean, he's maybe one of the best later round picks you've had. Why? Or you could have, or you could have traded him, right? Was he was he eligible to be traded? What it's, what GM yeah. wants to what GM wants to admit that you cut a very good player? The fact that he even said those words is like self demeaning. Like, well, who cuts a very good player? Doesn't try to get any value in return. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't like how he says, um, you know, the goals of the season to win a title. I mean, Isaiah Joe definitely makes you a better team, better than having open airspace. You know what I mean? Or Corkmaz rotting on the bench. I, it's really yeah. not that hard. To, so when people say, oh, why are, you so, why are Sixer fans so obsessed over Isaiah Joe? We're not. We're just saying that you have a guy that could produce when your bench goes everybody, you know, minus nine in two minutes and you maybe need a, a shot or two. Yeah. This is a guy that maybe could give you a shot or two. Like it's really not that hard to see um, yeah, him, him, him going on a couple streaks w when getting minutes in OKC is a perfect example. Uh, Vince and I saw your one comment that said uh, Sam Cassell is in charge of developing players. Doc Rivers just doesn't play them. Playing the players is a major part of developing players. I mean, what can what can what can Sam Cassell do in a in a practice? Is there like some kind of surgery he can do to make this guy bet? Like you have to put him on the court. That's part of developing the player. And then he goes to OKC, gets minutes, and look, he sets records for streaks of three pointers made and all kinds of ridiculous stuff. So yeah, you have to play the guy to develop him. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no reason that he that these guys go to other teams and then start to produce. That's why if Thibel goes to another team, he'll be back, you know, as an all NBA defensive player. That's why if this guy goes somewhere, he's you know, Jaden Springer goes to another team, he'll probably be an all-star in a couple years. I mean, it's frustrating, man. It yeah, is. and I think what gets lost in like the Sixers Twitter freaking out over Isaiah Joe and people pounding the table. We don't think Isaiah Joe is Michael Jordan, but what we do think <laughs> Is he's definitely better than Furkan Korkmaz, Daniel House, and guys playing rotation minutes on the Sixers team. And that is what's frustrating because also he showed flashes in the opportunities he got. Like last year or during the like COVID stretch when they were shorthanded, that heat game, I specifically remember him launching up a bunch of threes. He in summer league, like looked like he took it personally to add things to his game, played some ball handling role. Like 
every chance that he got, he kind of took advantage of, and he just really didn't have much to work with. So there also is like an interesting balance between the Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers thing. It should always be noted that like Doc Rivers was hired here before Daryl Morey. So I do think it's a different kind of power structure than the general jamming coach. But it is weird that like it, it's just a kind of bizarre situation. And you know what's crazy about that is that in Houston, Daryl Morey did the same thing. He built a team around what Mike D'Antoni wanted. He didn't want a center. He wanted all shooters. He wanted five out. So, you know, I'm starting to see a common theme here. Now, I think Daryl Morey's great at what he does in terms of bringing players in. But, you know, sometimes maybe he needs to take a step up and, and say, yo, I drafted Charles Bassey. And, and to your point about Isaiah Joe, we don't think Charles Bassey is Hakeem Olajuwon. But we saw him last year come in a game and get five blocks. Yeah. And right now we have no backup right. center that is a right. rim protector. And and you got rid of the guy for nothing, nothing. Right. And he showed a little glimpse. Maybe he could have been the guy. Maybe. Yeah, you just need a guy that comes in for 10 minutes and is not a negative 15. That's all you need. You, rebounds, a little bit of defense. You don't need him to be hitting, you know, dream shake fadeaways, dude. You just need a backup center. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. And that's why I was saying earlier that I think Andre Drummond is the perfect fit for this team. He knows the system. You don't have to do a lot to play behind Joel Embiid, by the way. That needs to be noted as well. It's not like you need to be a backup, like you said, and come in and do you know a bunch of crazy things. You need to come in, man the paint, and get a couple rebounds. That's all this team is asking for. And Andre Drummond knows the situation. I think he can be had. I think he had an amazing game last night. But the Chicago Bulls are not going anywhere. It serves them no purpose to keep Andre Drummond on that team. Why not go get a draft pick? Why not get a Jaden Springer right now? And if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm 110% on the phone with Chicago saying, don't let us lose this deal. Just how he told Sean Marks, don't hang up the effing phone. We're finishing this business right now. <laughs> I hope he's doing that with Chicago. I think they I think they definitely will, uh, because not just that, Andre Drummond's not going to pick up his player option, and you know, right. with him, with him being the age that he's at right now, he's at he's getting towards the second half of his career. But if it, proving what he proved last night, he can still play at a pretty high level when he's given the minutes. So he would like to go somewhere where he's going to get center minutes. He knows it's going to be at least ten or twelve or fifteen in Philly. Uh, you know, I, I think he would probably prefer that. So he's he's not gonna. There's no way he's going back to Chicago anyway because he's not getting any time. So yeah, they they, they he's gonna get traded because they have to get something for him. Why would you not? Yeah, and, and there's the, no adjustment period needed at all. He knows what it's like to be here. The fans love him, and it just makes too much sense that Sixers need rebounding. The guy had 15 rebounds last night off the bench. Come on, it's, it's a yeah. no brainer. And I think that gets lost in this kind of like tax conversation. Like the Sixers can get Andre Drummond and still get under the tax. He's got a little over a $3 million cap hit. You ship off, uh, obviously this probably wouldn't work from Chicago's point of view, but just for the sake of example with money, a Furkan Korkmaz for Andre Drummond tra trade gets him here and gets them under the tax. So you can kind of do both things and, and improve this team while still reaching that financial goal. And there's other guys out there too. I think backup center is kind of not that uh they're readily available but there's other names mo bomba is a guy that is uh, my dream for it uh nas reed and jared vanderbilt seem to be tending are trending towards them uh staying in their location uh but isaiah hartenstein's a guy that has jumped out to me uh jackson hayes i would love uh nerland's noel's been floated out there so it seems like there's like a, a notable kind of group of guys that i would consider like significantly better than montrez harrell and like they should absolutely be working those phones yeah 
I, I, I agree. I think they need to make a move. Uh, a lot of people have talked about Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, from what I've heard about him, he's he's not really a traditional big. You know, he's not like a rim protector. And you know, Danny Ainge is going to drive up that price. He wants a first round pick. He wants this and that. I don't see that trade happening. I know the Sixers have interest. They've had interest in Nerlens Noel. I could see Noel being much more likely than Vanderbilt. I don't know where this idea of everybody getting fixated on Jared Vanderbilt came from because. I know how Danny Ainge is, and he's yeah. not going to settle. The Jazz have a million picks already. They don't have to settle. Yeah. They can keep Jared Vanderbilt as part yeah. of their future plans. So why get Yeah, them? right. Right. And him yeah. him being 23 years old, that's what that's what, you know, Danny's going to harp on. Like, you know, as as if you think he's this good right now and he could help your team at backup center or whatever right now, he's only 23 years old, you're not offering me enough that's like selling a business. You know, what's the business going to be worth in five years? That's what you sell a business as, right? Like, yeah, he's going to sell them to what he thinks his potential is in five years. And it's, we don't have the assets probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, who knows? I, I do think Thibault could end up getting moved in one of these deals. Um, but I don't think they're urgently trying to move him. I do think though, Daryl will do what it takes to get another, uh, another backup center. And, uh, the last thing from this article was where Daryl Morey talked about James Harden, uh, essentially said that he was snubbed. Here's, here's where he says, he said, it's tough for me personally, Morey said. And obviously for him, I don't know how people who vote can look themselves in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. And now, you know, KD's not playing, so Embiid might be a starter. Harden might, you know, get voted in. I, I wouldn't even play if I was them. You have bigger fish to fry. You know, you have a bigger aspiration this year. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just they everybody disrespects Philly. It's evident at this point. Joel should be number one in MVP. He whooped Jokic's ass on primetime. Same thing happened last year. Jokic never looked back, won the MVP. Joel does the same thing 10 times worse. And what happens? You know, James Harden having an all-star year better than some of these players, not in the all-star game. It's a joke. It is. Yeah, I think we I, I think we ended up with actually the two most hated players in the NBA by the NBA. You know, the the, the NBA hated the the pro. There's you know you, there's reason to believe at least the conspiracy that the NBA hated the process era and hated Sam Hinkie and what he was doing and put a stop to it. And Joel coins himself the process. Uh, I don't. I just he seems he seems to be hated. Then you know in the beginning when he's getting fined for like goofing around on Twitter or saying you know talking trash to other players on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, I don't think they took him very well. And James Harden, now that I think about it, um, you know, the way that he was playing in Houston, kind of manipulating the game, really foul baiting. I, I, I do think that James Harden is incredibly skilled at reading a defender's body in the moment and and baiting the defender into fouling him. You know what I mean? He he definitely flops and cries and all that stuff, and he, and he did that a lot in Houston. But I just think he got really skilled at, at, at bending – the, the foul rules in the NBA really probably really the first player in history to really kind of bend it so far that the league was like, what do we do? How do we get this guy to stop doing this? How, we can't have, you just can't have an ESPN game and James Harden shooting 40 free throws. You can't do it. The people don't want to watch that. So I, I think the NBA legitimately said, stop calling him. That's the only way to stop it is to just stop giving the guy fouls. And you've seen it for a couple of years now. He legitimately does get bodied sometimes and there's just no call. And I wouldn't be shocked if, if that was a call from the NBA too, just stop giving him fouls. So yeah, I do think we we have uh, the two most hated players in the NBA, and now they pull this. You know, I know it's not the NBA voting, but I guess around the NBA they're hated too. Because how in the hell does does James Harden not get in the All Star game? And yeah, how is Joel Embiid? I mean, he, I just saw another stat where he's putting up 30, 30 and twelve on fifty six percent from the field the first time since Michael Jordan in nineteen ninety. 
first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaq in 2000 last year. How, how is he not the MVP? The, 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 the Jokic advanced stat thing, I don't want to ramble for an hour. It's getting out of hand because there's there's two numbers that they harp on that are equations, and that's that's becoming my problem with, this, with the new age NBA is can we just call it what it is without a math equation? If you have to rely on total – if you have to rely on true shooting percentage – when the equation is whatever it is, total shots attempted divided by 0.45 of free throws attempted. Like, you can't rely on a math equation, bro. You can use it to say this guy had a very efficient game. But this whole, like, this is the greatest player ever because he only took six shots in 40 minutes and made all six of them. That's borderline Ben Simmons is the best player in history sometimes when he only shoots the ball once on a wide-open dunk. Look at that, 100% he shot from the field. He's the best player ever. I got just I, I pisses me off. Yeah, another thing that rubs me the wrong way with the the advanced ratings, and uh, I'm I'm drawing a blank on what exact ratings of them. It's n- not VORP, but it's some of like the the offensive advanced metrics that they spit out for Jokic. But they're positionally calculated, meaning like he gets more points for it being assist because he's a center than he would if it was a guard. And like the only reason he's considered to be a center is because he's seven feet tall. Like he doesn't play like one. He's a guy that is essentially the point guard of the Nuggets offense, and he gets boosted up. Like I saw a stat. This was last year during the MVP at of the year where they like recalculated it uh as if he wasn't a center and it went from like first to like eighth in it and granted it's still a great player and still impressive but it's like let's not just like float it up just because of this and i don't know i I get fired up in that as well but uh yeah we do have the two most hated guys in the the nba and i also do respect maury's like commitment to uh being harden's guy like through and through and even going to the media the way he does so i do give him credit I love it. Yeah, if if you I, want if you want to say Jokic is one of the best, if is one of the most skilled seven footers to ever live, I'll agree with that. But back to back to back MVPs, come on, bro. He's a, I wouldn't even put him ahead of Magic Johnson. There's just no way. It's a joke. There's a clear bias, especially because Embiid did not leap over Jokic after that game. I mean, he literally handed it to him, and and really, he's still number two. It's an absolute joke. Um, the only way the Sixers are going to shut anybody up is to win, and is to win it all. That's how I'm feeling at this point. Uh, they have to do that, and I think they need to make a move in order to get themselves in position to do that. So um, I guess my question to you guys would be, how legit are the Sixers? You know, I feel like there have been so many back and forth things. It's been a weird year, like like Sean said at the beginning, you know, one and four, 12 and 12. Now you're 34 and 18. It's like, and in the last week, we've blown two 20-point leads. So I, I don't know. And that's after beating the Nuggets. That's after a you know a big win streak. Where are the Sixers at? You know, are they ready to win it all? Can this be the year? Yeah, I mean they're contenders. They're a certified top three team in the East. I need to see some some sort of move. I don't need a swing for the fences here, but I just need a little like nice step up the bat and hit a single to just upgrade this roster a little bit. Give me that missing piece. They add one to two rotation players, and I'm all the way in on this team contending for a championship and. Some of it is going to come down to just the pressure on James Harden and Joel Embiid. We talk them up a lot, and as we just kind of were, it's on these guys to deliver come crunch time. And they both have had their critiques. I also kind of like that it's they're kind of fighting their playoff demons together. But we do have to see it is the bottom line. We got to see these guys not be not be uh, fall victim to the tendency of of seeking for the fouls. Go out and just win this game. You guys are both incredibly skilled basketball players you guys are both two of the best offensive talents ever so go out and score and win this thing so that's kind of where i'm at is a i need a little i need a little bit of show not tell from both on the court and in the the front office right now 
Yeah, I think any team that has healthy James Harden and Joel Embiid at, at this point in their careers, even though James is a little bit past his prime, but is still such a masterful handler of a basketball and passer, uh, facilitator, floor general, all those things, is going to be a contender no matter what. Um, I, I do think that they, me, myself included, people overreact when they don't show up for a Monday night game against the Orlando Magic or whatever. Um, there's some hangover games in there after the Eagles NFC Championship game. There's definitely James Harden hangover games. It's a legitimate real thing. You can see it in the second half. He has nothing left in his in, his, in tank. Um, but at the end of the day, I need to remember, and everyone needs to remember, these two, these two guys do not care about the regular season whatsoever. There's no reason for them to. Their goal is to get to the playoffs healthy. Their goal is, you know, first seed, second seed, third seed, fourth seed. I know first seed would be nice, but they're really like, you know, load managing throughout the season. You can see Joel Embiid just not trying to even box anybody out a lot of these games. And then when there's a nationally televised game against Nikola Jokic and a, and a number one seed, all of a sudden you're getting more effort from the guy than you've ever seen. And I think we have to remember that that's probably, I would assume, the level of effort you're going to get in every single playoff game from Joel Embiid and James Harden. So I got to take a step back when they blow 20-point leads or whatever, or, or they just the effort isn't there in some of these regular season games because I just don't think they care. Uh, and the second thing is, you got to get Montrez Harrell away from Doc Rivers. You have to. What what Doc Rivers because he, and here's why. Doc Rivers is a narcissist by the definition of the word. And I guarantee you what happened in LA with Montrez Harrell and losing that playoff series and probably the other playoff series that he lost, he probably sat there and blamed other people. He probably does not actually think that him playing Montrez Harrell uh, against the Nuggets in that playoff series is why they lost or why he got fired. He's probably doesn't believe it, and he probably is now out to prove again. I can show you that Montrez Harrell can be serviceable at a backup center in the playoffs, and it's gonna, it's, it's just not gonna work. You, you see it right now. I mean, you saw it with Paul Millsap on Giannis last year, which is an insane decision to make. He's just so he, he's the least, he's the least open-minded coach. I've, he's so stuck in his own thoughts. There's no. There's no he, he. There's the rumors of him and Danny Ainge going back and forth when he was in Boston, and that's why they traded him. Like this guy had face to face arguments with, I think one of the best GMs ever. It's just he. There's no telling Doc Rivers anything, so you have to pull, you have to pull Montrez Harrell away from him. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, <clears throat> you guys have sold me, man, on something. I'm I'm gonna declare this right now. The Sixers are either going to the finals, or this is going to be the ugliest thing since the Ben Simmons debacle. And what I mean is, like, if they lose in a second round, like, you know, last year, Doc essentially used the excuse of, oh, okay, well, we were hurt. Now, I really hope James and Joel do not get hurt again because that would leave us again in this state where it's like, all right, what do we do now? You know, do we run it back again? I mean, they if they were healthy last year, if they were healthy one year before, Ben Simmons played offense in the playoffs or whatever, like this team could realistically be in two NBA finals. If they had James Harden over the last five years, how many finals would they have made? I mean, you're right there. You keep getting to the second round. You keep getting to game seven, game six. If they do not make the conference finals, let alone the finals, it's going to get bad. I could see them blowing up two, two of the pieces on this team. Two. Tobias could be gone on a con entering a contract year. And who knows? Harden might not even resign. He might not even resign at that point. Unless yeah, you hey, coach. I don't mean to cut you guys off. I got to run. You guys, you know, you guys can hang out and still have discussions and everything, but I got to bounce. Thanks for inviting me to the stream. 
it was fun. It was fun coming back on and chopping it up with you guys. Uh, I got to run, man. All Thanks, right, guys. Appreciate Catch you, man. You, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, if you, if you want to answer that uh, last point, I mean, like, this is a make or break for me this, yeah. this year. Yeah, Honestly, no. I mean, where do you go from here if you lose yeah. in the second round again? Or let alone the first round. I mean, that would be disastrous. I know Doc would get fired and, and this would happen, but, um, yeah, it'd be bad. It'd be bad. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. There will be some major changes if uh, there is not – if they don't get past the second round. If We haven't been past the second round since 2001. It's been since the AI year that we've seen that happen. So it's got to happen. I do think Harden walks. If they don't make it happen, he's going to seek what he looks at as a true contender and because uh, the Sixers aren't proving to be that. And I don't know. Like, I'm, I, I don't know what the bigger changes are. Doc Rivers is definitely the next piece gone. If James Harden walks, they're looking at a whole new thing. And, yeah, it's not going to be a good scene if it happens. So it is the put-up-or-shut-up time for sure. It's it's also, to me, like when you look at the future, how do you run this back? You know, because you're going to have to pay Tyrese eventually, right? And right now, Tyrese, like what is his role? You know, is he going right. to be that starting point? Or is, like is he going to be able to play next to James Harden? How do you factor that into the equation? That's why I think they need to go all in right now because you know there's just it's really one way or the other, honestly. You'll always you'll obviously have Joel Embiid, you'll have Tyrese Maxey, but you know, say Harden and Tobias both end up leaving. That's a lot of money that you can then go out and allocate to other, you know, positions and finally build a better core around. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see them and even if Doc Rivers leaves, you know, who's to say, you know, James is gonna stay? Who's to say they're they're going to keep Tobias. I mean, um, yeah, I, th I think right now is the opportunity. 100%. Yeah, and even even Joel, as loyal as he's been, he's not going to be patient forever. And, like, it, it, I wouldn't even blame him, to be honest. If he reaches the point where he's like, this isn't just working in Philadelphia, like, you need to yeah. move on from me. And I pray that that day never comes because he is a, a more of a part of this Sixers franchise than anyone on this roster. And, like, has been around a pillar of this franchise he's outlived general managers coaches the rest of the roster completely but i wouldn't blame him if it gets that point but yeah. hopefully we get to where they have some success he's able to bring us there if this team winning is the the best cure for everything so if they can get to the at least the conference finals maybe even the finals i do think there's a, a renewed sense of like okay this team can do it but it's got they got to make it happen yeah i think they have to i think they have to um are you worried about other teams kind of leaping over the Sixers at this trade deadline, whether it's Milwaukee, Boston, um, you know, they're potentially in the market for this, this and that. I, I don't think they're going to get Kevin Durant. I don't think he's going to go to Boston. Um, but are, are, do you think the Sixers can, can kind of get over them at this deadline? I don't view anybody else right now other than Boston as, okay, they're scary in a playoff series. And I still think the Sixers – could give them a handle in a playoff series, but I just don't know in a seven-game series how that'll play out. I think it would be very close. Yeah, I think realistically looking at it right now, I would put the Celtics at number one, Bucks at number two, and Sixers at number three. So I'm looking at the Sixers to be able to, to climb that up. Uh, Joel Embiid is the, the biggest asset for the Sixers in the way that there's just no one in the NBA that can guard him one-on-one -on -one with his size and skill. But the where I think the Sixers are coming up short and why I've been like prioritizing a wing for most of the season is they got to have guys that can guard the Jason Tatum's the Jalen Brown's the Chris Middleton's which they really don't and I get PJ Tucker is going to be 
kind of that guy. And it's going to be make or break. Our perception of him is how he looks in the playoffs guarding these high level guys. But like, that's only one guy. And I don't feel great about that being like our only option. That's why I would love to get like a, a, a solidified two way wing. Uh, I, I mean, who knows what they can get rotationally right now. Uh, Jonathan Isaac's been a guy I toyed around with, but I don't think is too realistic just based on it would probably take Tobias and everything else. But if they can get like an athletic wing that can match up with these guys on the perimeter, like to me, that would be what the Sixers need to do to, to take that leap and kind of put themselves on the pedestal as like a favorite. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm kind of worried about the defense. Uh, as yeah. It, you know, matches up in the playoffs. And I think that's why I love Thibel, but at the same time, I, I want to see him get more minutes to see if if he'll, you know, be able to improve that shot. You know, obviously he's kind of painted out the last couple of years, but, you know, he's at least more of a willing shooter. Can he improve? You know, if not, you have to get somebody. I agree with you. I just don't know who's out there. I know there's backup centers out there that I really like. I don't know who's out there in terms of a wing that is attainable for this team in terms of the salary and, and where this team's at flexibility wise. Uh, I think it's going to be tough. I really do, especially yeah. if you keep Tobias. So, yeah, totally. And I, I wouldn't say Tobias is completely like locked in on being a sixer. And like, I, I think he deserves a ton of credit for reinventing, reinventing himself, making the sacrifices necessary to fit this team. And I do think the Sixers, it's not just like complete fluff from Daryl Morris saying he's not looking to change that much of the identity of the team. But if the opportunity presents itself, there's not that many like tradable salaries. Like we're talking about if you're seeking like a $20 million addition, that's like combining every single bench piece we got yeah. or working to buy us in on a trade. And, and you need a little more to get back for that. But it's easier to add salaries to bring back rather than stacking. Then we're talking like Furkan, Matisse, Springer, Niang, Dan House. Like that's a lot Then you're throwing in like to, to combine and reach that. So it is tough how much money dictates what a trade can can happen in in the nba but that's kind of the world we work in and, and that's the reason that tobias has been kind of a, a crippling factor for roster construction i'll tell you what man this whole bench uh not construction but but just like the bench overload i would call it when you look at Furcon, who's a zero you look at daniel house who has been god awful when you look at springer who's been non-existent it's like Dude, like if one of those guys was this player that we're fantasizing about, that if one of them was a guy who could come in and, and get a stop on Jalen Brown when you need it or, or hit a big shot, like this team would be in such a better position. And now they have to rely on P.J. Tucker, who's almost 40, to be able to be that guy. That is my worry. And I do get caught up sometimes in the win streaks. It's great. It looks good. But like you said, none of it matters until the playoffs. But then again, I go back on the other side and I look at, okay, this team has been one game from the conference finals almost three times. Like, yeah. it's right there. It's there to be had. And if they were just maybe a little healthier or they had this, maybe they're there. But I think it all comes down to the matchup. And I think that's why it'll be important to try to keep climbing up the East. Yeah, you can kind of look at it in two different lenses. And I think uh, as Philadelphia fans, that a lot of times we take the negative lens of like, that they haven't been past the second round since 2001, that they're like just have fallen short continuously for all these various reasons. But there has been a bunch of weird factors of them just like being so close, whether it is that Kawhi shot, which is still heartbreaking, whether it is Embiid breaking his face twice in the playoffs, whether yeah. it's like all these strange things that have just kind of prevented them. Like if they can stay on like a clear path where everybody is healthy, they get the the outlook and the 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 path to the playoffs that they need. 
it can happen. And I do also think tomorrow I get it's still a regular season game that was whatever, but I'm excited to see now this Sixers team. We haven't played the Celtics team since they've been like clicking since we've seen what the Sixers team can look like. I'm excited to see what this looks like against a true contender and a team that we almost certainly will have to go through in the Eastern Conference. So I do think tomorrow is a nice measuring stick game for the Sixers, and I'm excited to see how they look. 100%. Great point. And and I, th- I love that it's the night before the trade deadline. Like yeah. Daryl Morey better take a long nap beforehand because yeah. come tomorrow night, he's going to be up all night after that game, especially if the Sixers are to lose that game. Um, he's going to be up making calls, drinking eight cups of coffee, getting that espresso because he's like, all right, if we lose to the Knicks and then you lose to the Celtics, like, all right, something's got to happen. Something's push comes to shove. You know what I mean? You got to do something. And man, I just don't know if there's a way they can do it. That's the frustrating part. It has to be through Matisse Thibel. And I don't like to see him go, but he might have to. Yeah, I unfortunately agree. I think that's like... The only real thing that I think a team could talk themselves into being like, that's a guy we have to trade for. That's a time, a, a guy that can enhance our team. And kind of what we mentioned earlier, like I don't realistically see Matisse cracking this playoff rotation, whether it be deserving, deserving so or not, whether it's a Doc Rivers preference. I don't think he cracks the top seven, eight of this rotation, which is what we're going to see come playoff time. So if he's not, we're better off getting somebody that will. So if they can make that happen, if they can get – whether it's a, a Jalen McDaniels or some sort of two-way player that can like has a higher likelihood of Doc Rivers getting a little run, make it happen. Hundred percent. And and I saw John in the chat. He said, "Are we worried about Niang breaking down?" Yeah, that's a concern. It is yeah, because that's what happened talking. last year. He played great in the regular season. He was banged up. Uh, you know, come playoff time, and and I know that for a fact. And he just wasn't healthy. So, you know, you got to be worried about that with Tucker, with Niang, with some of yeah. these guys. It's it's frustrating. So yeah, you got, I mean, health is the biggest thing. We said that at the, at the beginning of the year, we're saying it now they need to be healthy. I would honestly start load managing down near the end of the season. If possible, if you're in a race, then you can't, but uh, I really don't care at this point, get to the playoffs healthy. I mean, other teams do it as well. So yeah, I think that's gotta be the mindset. They've kind of gone on their run of late uh, 20 and five in their last 25. Let's Keep the momentum going. Let's bounce back from that Knicks loss. If they can kind of build some separation in the East, I don't think like the it's still pretty tight within the top three between the the Bucks, Celtics, Nets, uh, or Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers. Uh, if there is any kind of separation, and at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that much to me whether we're a two or a three seed or a three or a four seed. If it, especially like if they're not the one seed, it kind of doesn't matter because you're gonna have to play one of these guys. So I do think health is more important than uh, seeking out the schedule because we went through the same thing during the year where we where the Sixers lost to the Hawks. It was we've carved our path through the playoffs and we didn't even get to drive all the way through. So take okay. care of the guys. Make sure health health is the most important thing and don't count out the Sixers team for sure. And I saw someone just put it in the chat. It was a name, another name I forgot about, but wanted to mention. Um, I think you need to take a flyer on Cam Reddish. Uh, I said this a month ago. I know people are. You know, frustrated with the way, you know, he looks uninterested sometimes and this and that. Um, I remember Cam Reddish at Duke. Yes, he was in the shadows of two other great players as well. It was like a big three kind of. Um, I still don't think he's ever gotten a real role, a real opportunity. Like you look at Atlanta, they had a lot of wing depth. You look at the Knicks, they just never played him. Why not? I mean, he could come in, try to maybe be that three, you know, maybe give you some production off the bench. Uh, I love Cam Reddish, and at least from his college days, obviously he hasn't 
you know, performed up to that level, but you could probably get him for very cheap. So why not? The Knicks yeah. don't want him anymore. He doesn't want to be on the Knicks. If it's a low risk, high reward thing, I'm okay with it. I'm I, I wouldn't say I'm a Cam Radish guy. Sadiq Bay is a guy I've been eyeing is like the same kind of low mindset as a buy low potential to outperform the the price you get him for. And he's a guy the Pistons seem to be shopping to, but the same kind of mindset of a guy who hasn't lived up to their expectation coming into the NBA. But that style of wing is a a player that the Sixers just don't have and haven't had for several years. So it's worth it to bring it in and see if they can make an impact, uh, especially with the limited assets they have. I, I would be completely fine with them taking a, a swing for the fences or just a flyer on a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens, man. Um, your prediction. What do you think happens? A actually, give me your give me your like major target. If, if all right, I want this guy. I like we need this guy. And then tell me what you think is going to happen. All right, my my guy would be Mo Bamba. I would love Mo Bamba as the backup center. Uh, I don't know how realistic if it actually happens. I think my gut prediction, gut feeling prediction is Andre Drummond. And then wing wise, I mean, my ideal in an ideal world, we swing something with the magic where it's a Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac uh, trade coming to the Sixers. I think that changes things in a major way uh, that would have to involve Tobias. Uh, but I don't. That would be that's my uh, ideal world, perfect universe. My jar of hearts and what I actually expect, I do think it's a Andre Drummond and Derek Jones Jr. coming to the Sixers in exchange for some sort of Furkan Matisse and maybe a pick. Dude, I love I like that honestly. I want Andre Drummond on this team. Um, I think you need to upgrade the wing depth, but yeah, I, I would love Andre Drummond. I think you have to address that before anything because. Literally the other night reminded me of the Toronto series where Boban came or Greg Monroe came in and was a minus 11 in two yep. minutes. Um, Trez was a minus 15 in three minutes. You need to get a backup five. I mean, there's no, there's no saying, right? And um, yeah, I, I hope it's Andre Drummond. So you're speaking my language, man. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there's like, I think it's going to be one of those kind of days where the first domino falls and everything kind of spirals. Yeah. It's obviously a kind of a, a stalemate right now after the Kyrie stuff and the, the few things. And I will be a little upset if it, they kind of are overly relying on this, but I do think there's going to be some guys that pop up in the buyout market. And obviously last year it turned out to be DeAndre Jordan, who was just not what the Sixers needed at all. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. <laughs> yeah, Willie Cauley-Stein. Oh, so it didn't God. really shake out last year. But um, guys like Dwayne Dedman talked about, there's been rumors of Rashawn Holmes hitting the, the buyout market, Nerlens Noel even. So if there's somebody like that that they end up with and that's how things shake out, it, it could be solved. But I definitely would be much happier if they're more proactive and go out to get somebody rather than hoping somebody falls in their lap. Well, hopefully they make it happen. I do believe Furkan will be moved as well. I don't know if it'll be in the same trade. Maybe it's just for, you know, cap relief. Maybe you get a player who's not going to play or draft or whatever it is. Um, I don't see a way Furkan staying on this team. I I don't think he's staying here. I think he's going to go to like some bottom barrel team and maybe start to crack a rotation. It would crack me up if he goes 0 for 2 on trade requests. If, uh, you know, we, we've run this story back. Yeah. Uh, if, after his first one, he's full out re-signed with the Sixers. So it would be a little entertaining to me if, uh, you know, he doesn't get his wish. He has to stuck around, stick around. He is a vibes guy. I don't mind having Furkan around, but um, yeah, definitely not a necessary part of this team. The reason I don't like having him around is because he's making $5 million and, Fair. um, you know, he's going to continue to be looked at as why is, you know, we have a guy that that's making this money and he can't play. So why do you still have him? 
Um, I think I think Furkan's going to like the Houston Rockets or something. I don't know how they're going to pull it off. They're going to get like some old aged vet that might not play that might get bought out. They're just going to send Furkan to the Rockets. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, give me Garrison yeah, Matthews. I'll take Garrison Matthews for Furkan. Yeah. See, this is why I bring Sean on, man, because he he knows all the uh the intricate players, man. I mean, I do too, but uh I just it's tough, man. It's tough. I want this six. I want it to be the playoffs already. I want to get past the second round. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, who are you going to play in the second round? That's the tough part for me. Is it going to be the Milwaukee Bucks? Is it going to be the same thing? And a game seven, you know, I can't, I can't have it again. Yeah. I mean, I'm over their mindset of kind of like lining up the matchups, like I said before. So if they're scared, get a dog. Hopefully we got a couple in uh, PJ Tucker and whatever else can lift us over. Exactly. I'm ready to see this team locked in. Uh, once we get past Thursday, then it's kind of the, the cruising point of the season where we know what we have. It's ironing out how this team clicks together. And we're, we're not far. We're past the midpoint of the season. Uh, things are really cruising this year. So the playoffs are not that far on our horizon. I agree. It's crazy how the season's flying right now. I will say, though, I, I don't think the Nets are going to be in any type of contention. No. I think the Heat are not – I'm not fearful of the Heat. I think the Raptors are probably going to end up selling some pieces. I'm looking at the rest of the East. I think it's a three-team race. I really do. I, I don't see anybody else that I'm, I'm looking at saying I'm scared of that team. The Knicks would be handled in a playoff series by the Sixers. Uh, who else? Chicago stinks. I mean uh- – I'll give the Cavs a little bit of love. I think the Cavs are at least a, uh, not that they scare me from a perspective, but I do think they're a competent team that can, will win a couple games in a, in a series. And uh, if they truly go for it this year, which they're already pretty all in based on trading for Mitchell and the pieces that they do have, they're a well put together team. And I think moving in the right direction, I don't think this is their year to contend, but they're definitely on that track. You know what the Cavs would be in the second round? They'd be that pain in the ass type of team. They yeah. would be like a long drawn out, just annoying type of series. You know, they'd out hustle us. They would get all the little loose, loose ends, you know, all the hustle plays. Um, yeah. So the Cavs would be interesting, but I would, I would prefer to play them in the second round for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, they don't, they're not a, a scary team. I don't think, but not a team that I'd be itching to play. So uh, I will give them the respect, and they're they're a talented bunch. And I think the Jared Allen and Evan Mobley uh, front court could uh, do some interesting things against Embiid. So I wouldn't be itching for that. Uh, and it's still pretty wide open in the East that when you look towards the bottom, uh, yeah. wh- where teams are going to shake out, especially with the play-in on how everything goes. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how how things uh, line up. Yeah, can't wait to see what happens. Uh, shout out to everybody still out there in the chat tuning in listening couple more days i mean we've said all we can say at this point um you know will the sixers get something done let us know in the chat yes or no hit the like button wherever you're watching follow me on twitter rb philly take follow sean sean underscore bernard one um yeah we're constantly keeping up and you know we'll wait and see what happens um sixers need to do something they need to win tomorrow night i think that would be huge and if they don't win they need to get blown out so that they their hand is forced to go get a piece. That's what I think. Yeah, and um I'm curious to see like how they line up with the the Tatum and Brown backcourt if or like who guards who. If they're going to give Matisse extended minutes, then that might be more telling toward they might be inclined to keep him. If you're throwing Tucker on on him out there, can he actually do it? Like is that something we feel great about? So, uh I'm curious to see how they're going to line up, how they're going to see how they match up, what they throw at these guys and if it works. Cuz if it doesn't, you better find someone else that can. Dude, we've had moments of Tucker where it's like, man, this guy, like, that's what we needed. 
That's what we've needed for a year or two. We've had a few moments like that where he yeah. shows up big, but then it's like, damn, man, you know, shoot the basketball, shoot a little bit. So I don't know what to think about Tucker. I really don't at this point. Yeah, it's going to come down to the playoffs. Him more than anything has kind of earned the right and just kind of why we brought him in is purely for postseason. I also have been riding the take of I think we've gotten a better P.J. Tucker since he took off the undershirt. I don't know why, but since he's done, yeah, since he's done that in recent weeks, he's been a little better. So <laughs> as long as he keeps that going, let's uh, let's stay with the sleeveless and uh, keep the vibes increasing. I love it, man. I love it. Hey, appreciate you coming on and appreciate everybody in the chat for tuning in. Uh, yeah, man, let's hope that the Sixers are thinking the same way the fans are. Hopefully they're not just thinking of this as a uh, a cap relief type of thing. Hopefully they're thinking about getting better and getting ready for a playoff push. But uh, anything else you got, Sean, for the, for the people out there? Any bold predictions? Uh, I guess that they're going to do something. What about I, the I, NBA? What about the NBA? Any bold takes in the NBA? You think Russell Westbrook's going? I, I think the Lakers sold the bag. I, I think they're done. Uh, yeah, I, I can't see them doing anything monumental. I do think the Nets are going to do something crazy, whether it is something with the Raptors, whether it's something I, not something crazy that I think elevates them to true contenders. I think they've kind of blown that chip, <laughs> but I do think they're going to go out swinging for the fences, which they probably should. So maybe it's an OG trade. Maybe it's who knows what where their mind is. Maybe they end up flipping something with the Lakers, whether it's a bring just something in and hope it sticks. But I, I think there's going to be one more kind of blockbuster NBA trade involving not blockbuster might be saying it a little heavy, but uh, one significant trade uh, for like starting caliber players on the nets. And uh, for the Sixers, they're going to make a trade for sure. It would be such a waste if they go out uh, past this deadline without doing anything. So things are going to be happening. I mean, you have a roster spot open. Um, right. yeah, I heard I there is rumored interest that the the Raptors could be interested in Ben Simmons, which is absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, I think the Nets are kind of that team right now on the swivel. Like, I think yeah. everything else will be based off the Nets. My bull take, I think, is that the Jazz don't end up making any moves. Like, maybe the Jazz just stay put and say, okay, we have 10, 12, 14 first-round picks, and we have everything we need. We're going to go get Wembenyama and, and chill. Um, and I, I mean, I don't see why they would want to take on Westbrook and, you know, even if it's for the season and all, like, I, I don't see anybody wanting Westbrook and giving up any assets in return. So we'll see. And, and by the way, if there is a fire sale in Brooklyn, if there's guys like Royce O'Neal, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, even, uh, Nick Claxton, I absolutely love, if there's guys like that, that become available. Daryl Morey, send a, send a couple of uh, phone calls their way, see what there can be, uh, can get happening. And I doubt that'll happen or be the case. I, I still think they're going to try everything possible to contend, but there are some like decent role players that can compete on contending rosters there still. So worth a phone call at the minimum. What about, what about Kevin Durant? <laughs> I wish, I mean, I, I don't even know how much I wish uh, it's, they just don't have the horses for that race. And uh, it sounds like Katie's going to be staying past the deadline I, I can't imagine that lasts for longer than this year, but yeah, I don't think that's a, anything the Sixers will be involved in. Dude, how nuts would that be if KD ends up, not even to the Sixers, but just ends up getting moves? Like that would send so much into into transition, yeah. man. It would be it would be nuts. You never know. I mean, last year, the whole Ben Simmons thing came together like in the last couple hours. So uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. But we shall see how it goes. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Be sure to hit that like button again. And uh, subscribe wherever you guys are watching. Watch us on the on the rerun, on the playback. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section. That being said, man, RB Sean Bernard. And uh, we will catch you all on the next one. Peace.